A new poll just came out that said 70% of Americans are experiencing high levels of election-related stress. And it didn't matter where you fell politically, whether you were a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, everybody is feeling the effects of this election cycle. In fact, 55% of people in the survey said they anticipate Election Day 2020 will be the most stressful day of their life. I get it. There's a lot of uncertainty about the road ahead. There's a lot of uncertainty about the results and what will happen uh, depending on the results, if there will be a peaceful transfer of power or whether there's going to be riots in the streets. But even if we get a definitive answer on this election on November 3rd, you can have the answers, but you know what you still might not have? A true sense of inner peace. If you're a person whose candidate loses, there's going to be a lot of anxiety about what's to come in the future. How will all this play out? Even if your candidate wins, you know what will happen? If stress and anxiety has kept you paralyzed this year, you'll just find something else to be stressed and anxious about. However, there is one technique that can get you out of the regrets and the anger of the past and out of future tripping about what could go wrong in the future and get you back to a state of calm right now. I'll share what that is this week. Welcome to episode 121 of Life Amplified. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Okay, I promise I am not being a creeper here. I don't think about you in the shower often. But I want you to think about yourself in the shower earlier this morning. When you were in the shower, where were you really? Were you in the shower or were you thinking ahead to that uncomfortable Zoom meeting that you have coming up? Thinking about your list of to-dos and the chores that are ahead of you. Were you rehashing a conversation from a day ago, a week ago, 10 years ago where there's still a lot of hurt and it hasn't been healed and processed? You see, most of us do not live in the present. And one of the great paradoxes of life is the only place that life happens is right now in the present. The only place that you have the power or resources to create the outcomes that you want in the future are available to you right now in the present moment. So every time you're rehashing the past is a reason for why you're not where you want to be. Every time you're projecting into the future and delaying your happiness until you believe you have more money, more influence, or some ability to control or manipulate other people, you are squandering the one resource, the only resource that can help you stay in your power. And I understand that this is going to be an episode about living in the present moment, and there's nothing here where I am reinventing the wheel on personal development. This is a topic that has been written about by people like Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and all the great wisdom traditions of the past. Living in the present moment, very much one of the principles of Buddhism and Taoism. We all know that we should be in the present moment, but very few of us know how to do it. So that's my intention for the episode this week. I want to give you some practical strategies to help draw you into the present so you can take back your power. I'm going to talk about a couple of the actual benefits of living in this state of mindfulness 
And I'm also going to talk about the number one thing that is blocking you from truly creating a state of mindfulness. This is such a trap that high performers fall into, including your buddy right here. I am raising my hand. I've done this as well. And I think when I tell you what it is, it's really going to illuminate why you've been stuck and unable to create the inner peace that you want. So before we dive into that, I want you guys to save the date, November 20th through the 22nd. Whether you have been a listener to the podcast uh, since 2017 when we debuted, uh, or whether you're a new member to the podcast family, I would love to invite you to join me for something really special that I am putting so much work and so much energy into, and something that I believe is absolutely going to help you transform your life and create unprecedented success, happiness, and fulfillment. Yes, you get to have all three. And I want you to create that in 2021. I'm hosting a three-day virtual event called Life Amplified Live. Ah, this is going to be so epic. You know, I love doing this podcast and I love, you know, providing you with some tools and some resources and some mindset shifts to move your life forward. But what I love more than anything is working with people live and in person. You know, we're doing some of these coaching corner episodes now where I'm able just to coach people without a net, without knowing a lot of background, but getting you to a breakthrough in 20 minutes or less. I'm going to be doing that for three straight days coming up November 20th through 22nd. If you're a person who wants to make an impact in the world doing work you love while also creating more free time for the people and the hobbies that you love, if you're a person who wants to learn cutting-edge neuroscience-based hacks to help you move out of the anxiety and despair of 2020 and into a life with more clarity, energy, and focus, if you're a person who wants to move beyond all the baggage of those self-limiting stories of not being enough and actually build a new identity that will give you the confidence and inner strength to crush any goal. And if you'd like to have me as your personal mentor and learn alongside an inspiring community of like-minded badasses just like you, this event is going to be everything. So coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to have the official announcement on that. We're going to tell you how you can reserve your tickets, but I just want to give you a heads up right now to save the date, November 20th through 22nd. This will be an immersive full three days with me and uh, a global community around the world. So super stoked about that. If you want to be on the early bird mailing list and get your tickets before anybody else, uh, you can go to my website and sign up to get on the wait list uh, and you'll get info before it even becomes available here on the podcast. So go to creativesoulcoaching.net, click the little gray banner up at the top, leave me your name, your email, and my team will be reaching out soon to give you the uh, inside track on the first tickets available for that. So all that being said, I want to give you the one technique and tell you how to actually execute this, the one technique that is going to create more inner peace and help you take back your power. We're talking about mindfulness. Again, another buzzword in the self-help community. What does it mean? Well, according to researchers at UC Berkeley, they define mindfulness as maintaining a moment-by-moment awareness of your thoughts feelings, and bodily sensations, and the surrounding environment through a gentle, nurturing lens. 
That last part is super important. Notice they didn't say the lens of self-judgment, self-loathing, and catastrophizing your life. So really to boil that down, if you want to know the two key points about mindfulness, it's this. You are not your thoughts. You are simply the thinker of your thoughts. And once you stop accepting your thoughts as absolute truth and absolute reality and you just become an observer to your thoughts, everything in your life will start to shift. Also, when we're talking about mindfulness, essentially what we're getting down to is a sense of acceptance. It's about being with your thoughts as they are without attaching to them or pushing them away and going into avoidance. Now, why is mindfulness helpful? Well, in every single study that's been conducted over the past couple decades, we realize there is a true health benefit, both emotionally and physically. People who incorporate mindfulness into their life, they are happier, they're more empathetic, they have higher self-esteem and more security. And from a physical standpoint, they have less stress, less inflammation, lower blood pressure, and there's even benefits for cancer patients when they're in a state of mindfulness. It helps cancer patients heal faster. There's other studies that said being in a state of mindfulness has slowed the progression of HIV. And one of my favorite benefits of mindfulness is there's less relationship conflict. You tend to be happier in connection to other people. So mindfulness has become such a buzzword in the self-help and in the spiritual community that it's almost become cliche, and most people don't know how to live mindfully. There's a great quote from Ellen Langer, who's a psychiatrist at Harvard, uh, and she talks about the difficulty of living in mindfulness. She says, when people are not in the moment, they're not there to know that they're not there. (laughs) Can you relate to that at all? When you are catastrophizing your life and you are creating worst possible scenarios, whether it be in your career, your relationships, living your purpose, that threat seems so real. You know, as you're directing your focus to the outcomes you don't want, you start to create the emotional reaction. So even though the threat isn't happening, you're living the experience of it happening and you don't even realize that you're not being in the here and now. And because so many of us rehearse these patterns over a lifetime, it just becomes an autopilot default factory setting for the way we live our life. 90% of the thoughts and behaviors that you have today are the same things you did yesterday. Do you really think about the things that you're doing, right? Do you just wake up, dig into the phone, look at social media, get up and have the same cup of coffee, watch the same morning news show, think the same thoughts about the Republicans are this, the Democrats are that, uh, get in the same shower, go through the same routine. I, I know I do this. And I don't know what it's like for you. I go through, I noticed this recently as I've been focusing on mindfulness in my life. I get in the shower. I use my facial cleanser first. That's where I start. Then I wash my body. Then I go and I wash my hair. And it's the same routine using the same products every day with no real thought to why I do it that way. Since I've been executing more mindfulness in my life, I've reassessed some of my own habits. Since I moved here to San Diego uh, a couple years ago, I wake up in the morning, I take the dog on a walk, we walk to the same local cafe about half a mile here from my place, and I order the same exact drink. 
I get a matcha latte with almond milk. I know, sounds really pretentious. You know, all you have to do is give me a ukulele and I'll complete my transformation into Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> give me a scarf. I'll be the most basic white girl ever. But I had this moment a few weeks back where I was walking to the coffee shop and I asked myself, why am I still getting the same matcha latte with almond milk? Like, I'm kind of sick of it. I don't even really enjoy the beverage anymore, but I'm just doing it because it's familiar and it's become a habit and it gives me some sense of normalcy in a pandemic when so many restaurants were shut down just to be in the routine of seeing the same barista and ordering the same drink. I don't even have to order it. They see me in line and they've got it made by the time I get to the front of the line, but that's how ingrained it is. Now, all things considered, having a matcha latte in the morning as a default habit certainly isn't the worst vice I could have. You know, there's been times in my life when it's been eat all the sugar, drink the sugary soft drinks. For other people, it's cigarettes, it could be alcohol, it could be anything. But start to think about why do you do the things you do? Are you even doing it from a sense of intention? Are you doing it just because it's what you've always done? And that applies to your career. That applies to your relationships and friendships. And that also goes to your thought systems. You know, are you a person who lives in anger and resentment for the wrongs of the past? Are you a person who is always looking for threat? And if so, why are you doing it? What would be most loving and beneficial to your life right now in the present moment? What I decided the other day is having a matcha latte wasn't the most loving, intentional way I wanted to live my life. What I wanted was a green juice. So I went one door down and I got myself a kale juice, which makes me an even more basic person, I guess. But I'm not going to judge myself. It's what I wanted. I gave it to myself. And as you start getting mindful just about your habits, you can also start building mindfulness about thoughts. So how, though, do we bring ourselves back to the present moment? When we find ourselves on autopilot, when we find ourselves going to an old default thought pattern, I want to talk to you today about a concept that many people in the mental health world called savoring. Elizabeth Gilbert shares this antidote in her book, Eat, Pray, Love. She talked about being a tropical, like exotic location with one of her friends. And the friend was like looking at this beautiful landscape saying, oh my God, this place is incredible. I hope I come back here someday. And Elizabeth Gilbert shares in the book, it took every bit of self-restraint that she had to not point out, what are you talking about? You're here in this place right now. So it's about coming back to where you're at, being here right now, not getting so lost in the future or in the past. So there are three benefits to this act of savoring, right? Number one, it can keep us focused on the good stuff in life. Number two, it helps us avoid a wandering mind. And number three, it actually increases gratitude. So the only thing that you have to do to step into this idea of savoring is step out of your experience to review it and really appreciate it in the moment. For instance, if you're eating a delicious snickerdoodle cookie, which I will go to the grave saying snickerdoodle is still the best of the cookies, then chew it. Enjoy the taste. 
enjoy the moisture, enjoy all the all the goodness of it without worrying about, oh my God, it's the last snickerdoodle that I have in the box. It's just about being there. If you're a parent and you're spending quality time with your child and you're snuggling on the couch watching a movie together, what do most parents do? They immediately go, oh my God, this is so special. And then they start skipping ahead to, oh, What am I going to do when my kid has grown up and my kid doesn't want to be here with me anymore? If you're a parent, if you ever had the experience of walking into your young child's room at night and you're watching them sleep and they look so peaceful and beautiful and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that I created that. I created this little piece of perfection and then immediately start going to worst possible scenario. What would I do if my child got sick? What would I do if they were kidnapped? Right? Our mind starts wandering because it is so hard for whatever reason for us to be in joy. So, savoring is just about taking in through every sense, listening to the sound of your child breathing while they're snuggling you, being able to smell them, being able to touch them, and just truly bringing yourself into that experience of being there, being present, and being in love. There's been multiple studies on this. When people took time to savor something that they normally would have hurried through or took for granted, they experience more joy and less depressive symptoms. And it really is a challenge. I tried this yesterday. You know, I'm fortunate to live here by the beach where, you know, it's about 70 degrees every day and always sunny. And there's a beautiful little area right down the hill from where I live. It's this grassy area that overlooks the ocean. And, you know, we're not in tourist season, so there was nobody around. And I just took a minute yesterday to walk down with the dog and just lay in the grass on my back and to take in with all my senses everything going on around me, listening to the waves crash, listening listening to the seagulls flying over my head, feeling into the grass and the ground underneath me, smelling the ocean air. And even as I tried to do this, now my dog was with me and I had the leash kind of wrapped around my wrist so that he couldn't take off. And even in that moment, if I felt him sort of pulling on the leash, I was immediately drawn to worst possible scenario. Oh my God, what if he gets off the leash and he runs away? And then I found myself thinking, oh my God, my iPhone is just laying there unattended by my feet. What if somebody comes up and wants to steal my phone? So even for me, I noticed I was automatically creating worst possible scenarios in my head. And what it would do is pull me out of savoring the present moment. And a lot of times we can't live in the present moment because of what researchers call hedonic adaptation, which means all the things that we really wanted in our lives that were a goal, once we get them, we quickly adapt to the new way of living and the thing that we have no longer becomes special. Something else I talked about, you know, for years I worked and I wanted to make enough money in my business where I could live here on the beach in La Jolla, California. And then I got here and after about six months, I would be so stressed thinking ahead to what is the next goal that I want to accomplish, that I would be out walking the dog and not even being present or paying attention to this beautiful landscape. I've got like turquoise water 
that goes for miles, like right outside my place. And I wouldn't even be looking at it because I was thinking ahead to what I wanted to do or thinking about somebody who pissed me off earlier that day, and it was pulling me out of the present moment. So savoring is really one of the most valuable tools that will pull you back in. So a couple quick basics for savoring. Number one, you want to take in the experience you're having through every sense. Hear it, see it, smell it, taste it. Really be present. Number two, a sense of gratitude. Make sure you write down in a gratitude journal uh, what was so special about that moment or call a friend. Share the experience with a friend. Even if they are not excited to hear about the delicious moist snickerdoodle cookie that you ate, share it with them anyway. (laughs) Pick up the phone. And one of the more controversial approaches to including savoring into your life uh, that some researchers at Yale have talked about is taking a picture of the moment, taking a picture of your child when they're sleeping, or taking a picture at the landscape that you're at. Now, why is that controversial? Because sometimes we get so focused on looking at our life through the camera lens on our iPhone that we aren't actually present with the experience. And you know this if you're a person on Instagram. Sometimes you're so busy trying to find the right filter <laughs> to make the uh, the scene that you're in look that much more epic or clear up the blemishes that you're not appreciating it for what it is. There was an Instagram influencer who got busted on this, right? She was one of these travel influencers, and they realized she was Photoshopping the same blue sky into every setting because she couldn't dare show that it was a cloudy day when she was traveling to the Maldives or, you know, going going to the south of Italy on vacation. But, you know, we try to manipulate these things for image and it takes us out of the moment of just experiencing even the imperfection of the moment that we're in. The second super important point when it comes to establishing a mindfulness practice, if there is something in your life that is bothering you, that is causing distress, it's about moving toward it rather than running away or suppressing it. This is also what would be known as living in a state of acceptance. Now, your brain is biologically wired to move away from anything painful because pain over an extended period of time equals suffering, and suffering just at a primitive level over an extended period of time equals death. But as we talk about in personal development, what you resist persists. So if you're going through a breakup and you're feeling sad and you're telling yourself that you should not feel sad and what you need to do is just go hook up with your ex to feel better, that's a suppression tool, right? (laughs) Like you're going to push down the feelings temporarily, but it's not allowing you to experience the gift of that pain in the moment. Joseph Campbell said, every feeling felt is bliss. So even when you're going through heartache, when you're going through stress, when you're going through anger, if you can just sit and allow it to be, generally what you're going to find is a gift that's underneath it. Why is that emotion there? Start getting curious. Rather than avoiding, just get curious. Why am I feeling this way? You know, maybe what you realize is you need to raise your standards in dating, that you've been dating the same person in different shoes over a period of time. Maybe you need to start asking for your needs and not putting everybody else first. Maybe you need to ask for support or help. 
Maybe you jumped to three different jobs in the same line of work and you haven't been happier and now it's time for you to find your purpose and do work that's meaningful. So being in a state of acceptance doesn't mean that you're resigning yourself to feeling this way forever. John Kabat-Zinn, one of the authorities on mindfulness globally, he wrote once that acceptance doesn't tell you what to do. What happens next, what you choose to do, that has to come out of your understanding of this moment. So it's all about what you're making the pain mean and getting curious about what is this here to teach me right now. And if you can sit in that emotion, you know, usually for two minutes without pushing it down, the emotion passes through you. You're able to move past it. Also, one other thing is that, you know, living in a state of acceptance of an unpleasant state doesn't mean that you're just, you know, not going to go after a different goal in the future. You're just being in a state of acceptance that there are situations in your life outside of you that are beyond your control. And you can bring your attention back to the present moment, go within, and figure out what your next right move is. Now, once you can start to embrace this state of mindfulness, there are two big benefits to your life. Number one, mindfulness actually boosts connection. They've done some research on this at the University of Georgia. They conducted a study where each subject was told that the other subjects in the room were forming a group and taking a vote on whether they could join and be part of the tribe. Five minutes later, the experimenter announced the results, and the subject had either gotten the least number of votes and been rejected or they had been accepted. But here's what they did, including this idea of savoring. Beforehand, half of the subjects underwent a mindfulness exercise. They were given a raisin and told to slowly eat it, to savor the taste, to feel the texture, and to focus on each sensation in their mouth and in their body. So later, they did what they thought was a separate experiment, where all the same subjects had the opportunity to deliver a painful blast of noise to another person. Now, the subjects who had not eaten the raisin, the ones who were told that they were rejected by the group and they had not engaged in mindfulness, they became aggressive. They were going out of their way to inflict long and painful audio blasts without even being provoked, right? These are people who were stung by the rejection and they took it out on other people. However... The people who had eaten the raisin first, it didn't matter whether they had been blackballed from the group or embraced. They were calm. They refused to inflict pain on others. And they behaved exactly like the people who were given the word of social acceptance. So what the researchers said is that when we're in a state of mindfulness, our ego starts to disappear, right? We don't link our self-esteem to the events going on around us, and we just start to live in a place of neutrality and take the events of life at face value. So people who are in a state of mindfulness feel more connected to other people. You know, they are one with the universe and, you know, can tap into that Buddhist philosophy that says we're all connected. We're all one mind. We're all one being. So even if you take nothing else out of this episode, what would be the impact on your life and your relationships today if you embrace mindfulness? And you weren't showing up from a place of being a victim or feeling like you're being persecuted or, you know, taking out your frustrations uh, about unrelated things on the people that you love most. Imagine what the impact would be. 
and your relationships within your family dynamic, that alone makes mindfulness worth living. But I want to give you a second benefit here to mindfulness that I've just found over the course of my life. I have no scientific research to back this up, but I'll tell you how it's impacted me. Mindfulness actually can boost your manifestation. Now, I'm not going to go down the quantum physics rabbit hole. We've done that on other podcasts. But in short, what you focus on in your life determines what you feel. If you focus on the blessings and the gratitude of life, you feel cool. If you focus on what's not working, you feel stressed, you feel anxious, you feel angry. But what you feel will determine your vibration and frequency, which determines what you attract. That is the law of attraction in action. And I'll give you a quick story from my business. There is a point earlier in my entrepreneurial journey where things were really up and down. They were unstable. Money was coming in, but it was also like they'd go months and not make any. It was hard to build like a consistent revenue stream in the early days of my business. And at this point in my life, I was in a place of famine (laughs) for a variety of reasons. There were a lot of uh, clients who verbally committed to doing coaching and then backed out. There was a tax mistake that set me back a significant amount of money that I needed to pay. And long story short, I watched my bank account decrease, 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 decrease. And I was literally at the last $120 in my bank account. (laughs) Imagine if that were you, where you're standing there. And it's not like I was in a corporate job where I knew there was another paycheck coming in in two weeks. You know, that's the thing about entrepreneurship is you got to get out there and, you know, you have to generate the money. But for whatever reason, I was getting flaky clients, the applications that just weren't coming in like they were, and I was freaked out in a total place of scarcity and not enough and back in old trauma thoughts of living in the past and projecting and catastrophizing into the future. But when we talk about this state of acceptance that I mentioned earlier, I finally got to a point where I realized by sheer force of will, just getting out and trying to generate new business was not working. And if anything, it was just leaving me depleted from going, going, going. And and I remember just sitting there and being mindful in the moment and surrendering completely where I said, I have $120 left to my name and I still allow myself to love myself. And I also reminded myself that even though the number in the online banking account was not what I wanted, in that moment, in the present moment, all my needs were met. I had a roof over my head. The rent was paid at least for that month. There was food in the refrigerator. There was gas in the car. And my dog had his bag of food. So there was a roof over my head. I was warm. I was fed. I was dry. And I just sat in the gratitude and in the presence of that in that moment, everything was perfect and as it should be. And this was not easy. But I finally got to a point where trying to force things on my own just was not getting the answers. And by the end of the day, a $10,000 piece of business came through out of nowhere. was not expected, but it was found money that came through. And after that, I quickly recovered and more business came in. And guess what? I'm still here. I'm still in business. My, I'm still kicking ass, right? But that is the power of acceptance. And that is the power of living in the present moment. 
when I was staying in a place of lack and fear and watching the account dwindle and freaking out about the tax mistake and freaking out about the clients being flaky and not following through on the commitment, what was I at at a vibrational level? Anxiety, stress, feeling like people don't come through for me, that I'm not supported, all these old trauma patterns from childhood. And what was I attracting? Over the days leading up to that, more evidence to prove so. And what I realized in that moment is that the present moment is perfect. Even when you're not getting what you want, especially when you're not getting what you want, that there's a valuable lesson in all of it. And I share that with you as a gift from my heart to yours, because I'm sure today that there is a place where you're in judgment of yourself, you're in judgment of other people, where you are trying to, by sheer force of will, control the outside circumstances of your life, that you're a person who is in anxiety, constantly worried about the future. Even if your needs are met right now, there are people who are like, oh my God, there's not enough. I've coached people who are literally making a million dollars a year. And what do they tell me? Well, Dan, after taxes, right? There's always the stress because scarcity is a mindset. It's not a number in your bank account. Or you're a person who just hasn't been able to move forward in your life because you are constantly looking back over your shoulder at the places where things have not worked out. There's no power in the future. There's no power in the past. The power is right now in the present moment. And and I can tell you with 100% conviction and certainty, this is why all of my clients this year have moved through this year getting extraordinary results, building new businesses, creating unprecedented income, creating soulmate relationships, enjoying life to the fullest is because these are the things that we implement in in my coaching practice. I just had a conversation with my therapist at the end of our session yesterday, and she was asking me, you know, how are things going with your clients? She goes, every she goes, every one of my clients is freaked out. You know, they think the red coats are coming and there's gonna be a revolution and you know, there's all this uncertainty about politics. She goes, you know, all of my clients are just so stressed out and miserable. How about you? And I was like, Look, I don't know if it's, it, this has anything to do with me or my coaching or just the people who are showing up and the courage of the people that I work with, but I can't think of one client who is living that way. And that is the invitation that I would like to make to you. This is the life that I would like you to step into in full of acceptance of the present moment, truly enjoying your life on a moment-by-moment basis, being present, being grounded. That doesn't mean that you don't have big goals for the future. I love working with people who have huge goals for the future, but the life you want in 2021 is dictated by the decisions that you're making right now. And if there's anything that I can do to help you move beyond the despair, the anxiety, the regret of the past, there's lots of ways that we can work together. I do have some spots open for one-on-one coaching right now. Uh, Most of this year has been dedicated to doing group programs, so I'm super excited to open back up the one-on-one practice. You can fill out an application at my website creativesoulcoaching.net. Also, remember, we talked about it earlier, three-day seminar coming up November 20th through 22nd. It's going to be me and you, uh, some fun, badass people like you from all over the world uh, together for three immersive days to create transformation. You can be one of the first to get the info on that 
by going to my website, uh, creativesoulcoaching.net, getting signed up. If you love the episode this week, please screenshot it, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason. I love you. Thank you so much for being here today. It's an honor to serve you. And in the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.